Hey there, I'm Edwina Kennedy, registered pediatric dietitian and mom of two, and this is the My Little Eater podcast. Each week, I'll be dishing out all the best info on feeding and nutrition for your baby and toddler, answering all of your what do I do when scenarios, and helping you gain complete confidence in not only feeding your child, but in parenting as well. Every episode is filled with actionable and proven feeding strategies delivered by a mama and a feeding expert who's been there and done that. I hold your hand and I take you step-by-step through all stages of feeding while showing you how to implement what I teach you so that you can raise a happy and healthy little eater of your own. Let's do this. Hello there, moms and dads. Welcome back to another episode of the My Little Eater podcast. I am super excited to be here today. Thank you so much for joining me, and I hope you are having a really great start to 2022. Today, we are talking about toddlers and how to build healthy toddler meals and snacks, and what my golden rule is to making sure they're always getting perfectly balanced meals. So that is going to be what I'm diving into today, and this is one of the most requested topics that I always get. But before I start, I want to let you know that this week only I am having a sale for 20% off of the Feeding Toddlers online course. This is the time of year where so many parents just like you are ready to finally take action, are ready to finally find that missing piece to what is happening that is making their toddler picky or their preschooler picky, or maybe you just wanna prevent picky eating and you want to just sit down to stress-free meals, happy meals, and know that you are raising a healthy toddler. This Feeding Toddlers online course is exactly for you. It is a step-by-step holistic plan that is gonna take you through every single thing that I have totally vetted for you over 13 years experience in the pediatric field and as a mom for 13 years, raising two boys and dealing with hundreds of clients and persons and thousands of clients in online, It takes the best of feeding therapy and it puts it all in this course right there for you so that you can just apply it and finally see some changes and finally have some relief. This course, I just wanna clarify, although it's called Feeding Toddlers, it's definitely meant for kids, I would say between age 12 months and even up to eight years of age. So it's not necessarily just for toddlers, it's good for preschoolers and even young school-age kids. The reason why it's called Feeding Toddlers is because ideally I want you to start taking it then and ideally, you know, you start applying those um, strategies early on, as early as possible. I actually recommend if you have even an 11 month old, start taking the course now if you know you wanna prevent picky eating and you know you want to really have all the strategies that are required to feed a toddler because I will say, feeding a toddler is totally different than feeding a baby. And I wish I could say it wasn't, but it is. There is a whole new kind of slew of strategies and ways of serving meals and things to do when your toddler inevitably is going to start to show some preferences. It's a very normal phase, but we are going to teach you how to prevent that from getting worse and how to help them just you know, developmentally in a normal and in a very positive and quick way, get out of this phase so that they can grow into healthy eaters. So like I said, 20% off is what the sale is and it's happening until Monday, January 17th, 2022. All right, you've got to use the code toddler. That's the last thing I want to say. Use the code toddler at checkout and you can find all the info using the link in my show notes. 
Alrighty, so let's get into today's topic. So if you are wondering how to make meals and snacks for your toddler so that they get all the nutrients they need in the run of a day, then this episode is exactly for you. I'm gonna teach you how to build your child's meals and snacks in a way that will actually fill them up so that they're not asking for another snack half an hour after he just gave them one and so that you know they're getting all of the nutrition they need. Now, I have a specific formula for this and let me first tell you before I get into what the formula is, why is it even important to have some kind of formula or framework to help you build out balanced toddler plates? Why do we even need to kind of think about the different components that are on your child's plate? Um, what benefit is it gonna bring? Well, first of all, I will tell you that when it's really balanced, it's gonna increase the chances that they're gonna get in all the nutrients that they need in a day, right? So if you have a formula that ensures, okay, you've got your bases covered for, let's say, all the these essential nutrients and these essential nutrients and these ones, then you can rest assured that even if your toddler doesn't eat something for one meal, well, they're gonna get the opportunity to get those nutrients again in enough quantity at the next one or maybe the next snack. And if one meal is balanced well, usually I will say supper is the most well-rounded offering. If you were to kind of take a survey or decide, or sorry, look at all of the things that are served throughout the day, most families sort of have all the checks, if you will, set for supper time. But there's a lot of missing components that happen, you know, at lunchtime or breakfast or snack time because they're not as thought out. So again, having a kind of formula to go into meals and snacks when you're planning them, that's going to help just round everything out. Now, the next thing that happens when you have this specific formula that I'm going to teach you about today is that it's going to help keep your child truly full in between meals and snacks and not hungry from one eating opportunity to another. Because I will tell you, I always will, you know, if I look at like a three-day food recall, which I'll do with my private clients, and I'll, you know, look through, okay, what did you have for breakfast, lunch, supper, snacks, whatever, I usually see that there's unsatisfying or unfulfilling snacks or early meals throughout the day happening um, that actually causes your child to feel hungry, that, that causes them to ask for snacks in between. I often find that they're made of quick release carbs. Like, so if you think about snacks especially, you know, they're more often than not kind of carb laden and they're kind of composed of, let's say, crackers, or maybe it's like a more of a processed food, um, like even uh, an applesauce or a fruit snack or a granola bar, or even if you've got like white rice, or even if you just got a lot of pasta, let's say, but you don't have the other things to balance it out. Yes, it's gonna provide them some energy, but what happens is that it's quick release carbs, meaning that if they don't have any fat or protein to stabilize, the, the amount of carbohydrates or, or sugars, at the end of the day, that's what carbs break down to, and the amount of sugars that are going into your child's body, then you're basically gonna see an increase in blood sugar levels happen really quickly after they ate, and then they're gonna drop really quickly, just maybe even 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour after they had eaten their meal or their snack, causing toddlers to seek out the next and best food that's gonna give them another quick boost of quick release carbs. And that's also why they will crave more of those processed snacks or more of those carb-laden snacks and meals, right? So if you have more balanced meals, that's gonna allow for blood sugar levels to actually remain more stable and for them to kind of come down in a much more gradual manner, probably over the span of two to three hours, which is typically when we like to say, okay, that's when you know a child should normally have a hunger you know, kick in again and they're ready for the next meal or snack 
if, again, they've had a properly balanced meal or snack prior to the next one, if that makes any sense. Um, Okay, so that's that. Then the third reason is that it ensures that there's enough exposures to varied types of food. So if you are balancing meals and snacks really well, again, according to my formula, then you're going to know that you have a variety of different foods that are presented at each and every feeding opportunity, and that's going to allow for more exposure to foods for your toddler um, to see and experience that might not usually get offered. The thing is, like, we, I'm always talking about this, constant exposure to different food groups can really help your toddler overcome and or prevent picky eating. So when you have a formula that creates balanced meals and snacks, it's going to remove all the guesswork. You don't need to worry about, oh, did I already expose them to that, like, food group? Like, did they already get vegetables? Did they already get some dairy or protein or iron or whatever, you know? If you have this formula to follow, you know, I guarantee you, you will check off every single time all that's required so that you know, okay, my child got that exposure and they got enough of it so that they can actually move forward with um, picky eating or prevent picky eating from ever even happening. Okay, now I want to kind of just dive right in now to how I actually recommend building these meals and snacks and what the formula is called. I abbreviated it because it is so easy to remember this way. Essentially, it's called the FFP rule. This is my little eater's formula. Um, And FFP stands for fiber, fat, and protein. Okay, so basically every meal should include a substantial source of each of those nutrients, fiber, fat, and protein, so FFP for short. And this simple framework is what's gonna guide you. It's very likely that if you follow this, like I said you know, earlier, you're gonna have all those nutrients met, all the food groups met, and you're gonna see blood sugar levels stabilize and just gradually decrease as the hours go on without any huge crashes. So let's talk about a brief, you know, a brief description of what each of those components are and why they're important. So fat specifically, we're talking by the way about a, a healthy fat source. So um, you know, you can get fat as a nutrient from a variety of different foods, but we wanna focus on foods that are either plant-based or have some healthy healthy fats like omega-3 fats because what fat does just as a kind of like a blanket statement fat helps with absorption of different fat soluble vitamins so those vitamins are a d e and k Without fat, those vitamins literally can't even be absorbed into the body. They have to be combined with fat. And so that's why it's important to have it at every single meal, like a good source of fat in every single meal. It's also crucial for filling up your toddler, again, filling up their appetite. I know a lot of parents worry about high fat sources for kids, especially if they're worried or concerned about them being overweight. But I'm telling you, this rule should stay firm even for those kids because without the satiety benefits, like the ability for it to fill your child up, it's going to leave your child looking for more food right away. And it's going to lead to that feeling of deprivation, of of feeling starved, which is actually just going to make the problem worse, especially if you're concerned about overeating. So you've got to give them the right type of calories to fill themselves up and again, so that it's not causing a crash, right? Plus, fat is super essential for growth. As many of you know, it is super important at the cellular level and beyond. I mean, hormone regulation is so, so dominated by how much and the types of fats that are going into your body. And it's also used as a source of energy. So again, don't be afraid of this amazing nutrient. We really, really want to include a nice source of fat in every meal. 
Fiber. Okay, so fiber is a super beneficial nutrient for digestive health. So what fiber does is it kind of keeps the bowels moving, keeps them nice and soft and everything working really well in that digestive system. And it also works in combination with fat to help with satiety to keep those hunger, you know, that hunger monster at bay. It's also a really good prebiotic, meaning it's what is used for, like what bacteria uses in your gut, the good bacteria, to feed off of so that it can grow and multiply and, and be beneficial for our health. And so the category of fiber is, you know, the foods that have a lot of fiber are actually one of the healthiest foods for us. So we're going to talk a little bit more about what those are in a bit, but fiber is that other nutrient that you really want to focus on. And then last but not least, we have protein. So protein is really important for your toddler's growth and development, literally for building and rebuilding tissues and muscles in the body. And it's an essential building block um, also for bones and cartilage and skin and blood. Like it's literally used in almost, I think every process really. So every meal should include a really, really good source of protein. Whether that be an animal-based source or a vegetarian source, it really doesn't matter. Um, At the end of the day, we want them to have a really good amount of protein in every meal and snack. And although toddlers don't really need a lot of protein in the way that most of us might think they do, so we might think, um, you know, we have to add in like protein powders or supplements or things like that in order for them to achieve their protein needs, it's very, very rare that that's actually required. More often than not, like the amounts that they need can be achieved by just being focused on what you're serving them. Um, and then, you know, it, it'll having it being well distributed in their meals and snacks throughout the day. So that is protein. So we've covered all of the components then of the FFP rule. Okay, well, That is what we want for a meal. We want all three of those. But for snacks specifically, I will say that you only need two out of those three nutrients that I just mentioned. Um, It's not harmful to have all three. It's just that if you don't, it's going to be okay because it's a smaller meal, right? Snacks aren't usually as big as meals. And we really just kind of want it to be there to hold them over until actual mealtime comes. Now, if the gap between snacks and meals is longer, more extended, especially if it's any more than like two and a half to three hours, then I would go back to my main kind of rule and then include all three of those nutrients, the fiber, fat, and protein so that their blood sugar levels stabilize for even longer. Now, I want to quickly add to this FFP rule, okay? Because exposure to fruits and vegetables are so important, and I guess it's not that fruits and veggies are more important than other foods, it's just that they're usually less liked and it usually takes way longer for kids to like that category of foods than others. So because we know exposures are so important and the more you offer it, the more they see it, the more they see it as a norm, um, then the more likely the chances that they will actually overcome picky eating or do it faster. That's why if you notice that fruits and veggies aren't included on the plate already when you go through this FFP rule, then you can go ahead and add another P for produce to this rule, making it FFP plus P. This may not make total sense yet, but I'm going to go into some examples about what foods fit into each category, how produce can fit in to certain ones, but not others, and when you might need to add it as its own category, kind of like a standalone category on its own. Okay, so let's start with, I guess, examples of fiber, foods that are high in fiber. 
I would say, first of all, kind of like tailing off of what I had just said about produce, all produce is going to be one of the best sources of fiber you could possibly offer to your child. Again, really, really high in those prebiotic fibers, right, that are going to help nourish the gut and help the good bacteria give them something to feed off of, fill them up, obviously provide a whole bunch of other nutrients and antioxidants and all that kind of thing. So fruits and vegetables are top of the list for fiber but also grains. You probably know this already. Whole grains are typically higher in fiber than refined grains or processed grains, but you have to also look at the labels. There is details inside of my Feeding Toddlers course as to like what's what and you know which ones are better than others, but um, for the most part, if you are to look at a label and you were to see a, at least two grams of fiber per serving, I would say that's a great source of fiber and you can kind of check that off if you're doing it from the greens category. Another really good source of fiber that people never really think of is legumes like um, beans, lentils, chickpeas, all those pulses, if you will. Those are really wonderful sources of fiber that um, double up actually in another category, which I'm gonna get to in a second. So that's another one. And then even seeds. So if you think of those small seeds like chia seeds and flax seeds, those are gonna be excellent sources of fiber. Um, they're, they're going to be really easy to just add into meals without your child even noticing. That's gonna help boost that fiber. And remember, you can combine different foods to increase the level of fiber or fat or protein or whatever it is so that it's not always just having to come from one food specifically. It could be a combination like a little bit of beans with a little bit of veggies or, you know, a little bit of grains or something like that, right? So that is um, the fiber category. Just a quick overview to give you ideas. The next one, if we were to talk about um, fat, so the next F in the equation, um, definitely some fruit will have healthy fats. So if you think about avocados and coconuts and artichokes, those are going to be really great sources of fat. A lot of people would never think of that, like that a fruit category could have healthy fats, but they really, really can. So that's something to consider. Um, another super easy way to add healthy fats to your child's meal is oil and butter. And I'm talking about healthy oils here. So really focus on those plant-based oils and as little, you know, fewer, uh, what am I trying to say? Less processed oils. So I'm not saying canola oil you can never have or that it's horrible, but it isn't going to be as healthy as having something like an olive oil, a flaxseed oil, um, an avocado oil. Those are going to be um, really heart healthy oils to include. And I'm talking like literally you could just drizzle it on over their veggies, over their meat, use it as a dip for their meat or whatever it is. Um, of course, you could use it in the cooking process, but I find if you want to really be deliberate about adding some healthy fats and you are kind of at a loss for what to give, just drizzle some oil over some pasta maybe or like quinoa. That's going to be a s amazing dose of healthy fat that is just so easy. Um, and honestly, most kids don't mind it at all. So that's one tip. The other way that you can get healthy fat in is through fatty fish like salmon and tuna, mackerel, sardines. Those are really oily fatty fish that have high levels of omega-3 fatty acids and that is so, so, so important for brain growth and development, especially for kids under three, but it's so good for adults and, and all kids alike, really. Um, so if you were to kind of incorporate some more of those meals at least a couple times a week, that's gonna be a really great source of fat um, for those meals. And then dairy products. Now, anytime you purchase dairy for your kids, 
I really don't want the like purposeful, like purposefully looking for 0%, 1%, 2% milk fat products because it's not necessary. And again, even if your child is overweight or you're concerned about calorie, you know, consumption, I want you to focus on satiety, enjoyment, filling your child up with actually good fats um, versus trying to reduce fat, you know, in ways that is going to leave them feeling restricted and feeling unsatisfied. So if you go for dairy products like yogurt or cheese or milk, go for whole whole fat dairy products. So usually 6%, you could find yogurt up to 14% at least at my grocery store. So that's an option for milk. We got whole milk options. Um, And if you want to go with even like a more like a step up into the health level or health factor of these products you can go for grass-fed products because that's going to have even higher levels of the good types of fat specifically cla which is very again important for brain growth okay now i'd say probably the last category that is really high in healthy fats would be nuts and seeds so even if you have a young child and you're afraid of offering whole nuts, which would be like a choking hazard, you can definitely grind up nuts. So anything like almonds, peanuts, cashews, you know, macadamia nuts, walnuts, whatever, grind them up. You can mix them in oatmeal. You can coat, um, let's say, avocado in some ground nuts. Um, if they're a little bit older or you're starting to teach them how to bite into a nut, you could do that with, let's say, a cashew or something. Anyway, that could be served easily as a snack. Seeds like hemp seeds and, like I mentioned before, flax and chia seeds or even pumpkin seeds, sunflower seeds, and their butters, so like sunflower seed butter, that kind of thing, all those are going to be, again, wonderful, easy, usually accepted foods that you can throw into a variety of different meals and snacks. Like think smoothies, think oatmeal, think yogurt, um, sandwiches, whatever it is. So that's the healthy fat category, just some ideas to get your, um, yeah, give you some ideas for how to get started with that. And then the last category is protein. So most people are automatically going to think, oh, meat, like um, beef and lamb and chicken, turkey, that kind of thing, which is so true. Um, So that's definitely going to provide a huge bang for your buck in terms of the amount of protein that you get per ounce. Also seafood, right? So back to the healthy types of seafood, like, or I should say the seafood that's high in healthy fats, like salmon, tuna, mackerel, sardines, those are going to be wonderful sources. And if you notice, they're high in fats, like we talked about before, but they're also under the protein category. So you can have foods that cross over into both categories. So they basically tick off two boxes. So that's easy. And then you just have to think about the third one. You know, there's even some foods that can cross all three categories, like edamame beans, which would cover fiber. They would cover protein. Well, actually, that's just two categories. It's not really covering the fat category. But, you know, that's just to give you an idea that you can have crossover happen. Um, okay, that was a little bit of a tangent. Back to seafood. Outside of just the the fatty, oily fish, you could also do like haddock and tilapia and and halibut, you know, whatever. All of those are good and they're all going to provide good sources of protein. And then back to legumes. So like we mentioned before, legumes are a great source of, pro- of fiber, but they're also a good source of protein. So if you were to serve your child a chili, let's say, even if it's just a vegetarian one, you've got both protein and fiber in such high amounts, you know, per gram or per ounce of those beans that you're going to be crossing off, checking off two of those categories. So that's why it's such a great, uh, great one to include in meals and snacks. 
Um, usually soy products like tofu and again edamame beans like I mentioned before, tempeh, those are also going to be good sources of protein, specifically vegetarian sources of protein. And then dairy again. Not all dairy, I mean dairy definitely has protein. You know, even like basically any type of cheese, any type of yogurt is going to have protein. But if you want to concentrate on protein coming from dairy products, then I'd recommend choosing ones like Greek yogurt or Skyr yogurt because they're going to have a higher concentration of protein per ounce. And uh, let me think, cottage cheese as well is going to have a higher concentration of protein per gram or per ounce. So um, that's that's kind of like where I would focus. But again, they're still going to get some protein through, let's say, some cheddar cheese, whatever it might be. But you may want to add a little bit more, especially if you really want to tr- control their blood sugar levels even further, right? You really want to solidify that box because I find the protein box it is so important. You can basically find protein in grains. You can find protein. A lot of people use like nut butters as their protein source, but honestly, it's not enough. It might be a couple grams. Protein should be present in higher quantities. I don't want to give exact numbers, but let's say like five grams at least of protein per serving to 10 grams of protein is even more ideal so that you're really, again, making that the at the forefront and balancing out those blood sugars even more. You don't need as much fat and as much fiber to balance out the blood sugars as much as you would need for protein. So definitely focus on those better sources of protein from dairy products. Um, Eggs are going to be a really good source of protein. Both egg whites and egg yolks, they have actually the same number of grams of protein in both, so it doesn't really matter. Eggs are so easy to whip up even for a quick snack. Just scramble it up and then you are checking that box off. Um, You also are getting fat in the egg yolk. So in my toddler's course, I, I give you those specific details, but there you go. There's another one that will just cross over into the fat category and uh, I hope that tip helps you out there. And then nuts and seeds. Again, I wouldn't count on these as your main protein source unless you had a really significant amount of them, specifically hemp seeds. That's the type of seed that is going to have higher levels of protein. So If you did three tablespoons of hemp seeds, that's going to give about seven, eight grams of protein. So like I said, I would like to see at least 10 grams of protein in a meal at least. So, I mean, you're doing at least three tablespoons, maybe four. That's a lot of hemp seeds, right? So you got to make sure you're getting some protein from other places if that is kind of what you're using from the protein category um, in your meal or snack. Okay, so that's FFP. Now, remember how I said I was going to revisit the extra P, the produce? So produce, fruits and vegetables, we said is really giving fiber. That's the main nutrient it's providing. But if you choose a different fiber source, let's say you choose a grain like um, whole wheat toast or you choose couscous or whatever, that's your fiber source, then what I want you to do, since fruits and veggies aren't present at that meal and we want them to be present at as many meals as possible, um, and I'd say at least one snack per day, then I would go ahead and add that extra pea produce on the side, even though it's not totally required on the fiber side, but it is required on that exposure side and just getting your child totally used to the idea that vegetables are the norm at meals and even at snacks, so they won't freak out when they see it, it won't be a surprise, and it's just going to help um, increase the exposures and bring them closer and closer to actually accepting it and eating it over time. So that's when I would add in the extra P. I hope that makes sense. So we've got FFP plus P. 
you know, depending on if you've already had produce included in in your uh, meal or snack or not. Okay, now I'm going to stop there because that's a lot of information. But if you are interested in some more and you want to see some examples um, for how this actually plays out in real life, how you might take a typical snack or a typical meal that maybe you offer or is just very common to offer kids, and how I beef it up and how I actually turn it into an FFP, maybe plus P rule, then you can find out so much more of that inside of my Feeding Toddlers course. So like I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, this is on sale right now for the entire week. So it's going on until, oh my God, January 17th, 2022 for 20% off. This is exactly the time to take it and purchase it if you are interested in making changes and learning about not just how to feed your child, but what to feed them so that they are adventurous and not picky and that you can enjoy meals and know that you are raising an adventurous eater. Um, So check out the link in my show notes. Use code TODDLER at checkout. And if you have any questions about the course, definitely reach out to me. You can email me at info at mylittleeater.com and ask away be more than happy to help answer your questions. And also just a reminder, all of my courses are available for a lifetime. So if you purchase it now, even if your child's six months old or eight months old and you're thinking, well, I may need it in the future, but I don't know, you can get it now at a discount and you can just jump in whenever you're ready. It is available to you for a lifetime, no expiry date. So I hope that helps you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, would you leave me a review? Just go ahead and scroll down in whatever podcast app you're listening to. Rate me. If you could leave me a one-line review, that would be so, so appreciated. It really, really helps me and and my goal to really get this podcast out to other parents like you and letting it hit number one on the charts. That is what I want to see at the end of 2022. And I know you can help get me there. I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for your time and for listening in today and good luck feeding. And I will talk to you next week. Bye.